What is up, Internet? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, the podcast where we try to break the echo chamber around self-defense and self-protection. I'm your host, Randy King, speaker on all things proactive skills and owner and operator of 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. This week on the show, we have my friend Jared Belrose from Punch Therapy. Jared is also a former boxing coach of mine. Why I brought Jared on was not to talk about boxing, which we already did with PJ Luhonga a couple episodes back, if you want to check that out. Jared has quite the journey. Jared went through a weight loss journey. Jared went through some depression issues and a whole bunch of other things. He likes to be very open and honest about. So I decided to go in a different direction and talk about all the benefits of learning how to do martial arts, boxing in particular here, that don't just involve the punching part or the kicking part, but all the auxiliary benefits. So Jared and I discuss the mental benefits of training, all the cool things that come from just knowing you can protect yourself, the self-confidence and all those really cool things. Another thing we go into is the different skill sets between being a good fighter and being a good coach. And I harp on this a lot, but it's always good to hear from another person that just because you are a good performer does not mean you are a good coach transferring skills is a different skill set than performing skills. And we go into in depth on that topic pretty deep. And then last but not least, we talk about self-talk and this was cool. I got, I get a little personal on this part where I talk about how I use self-talk and how it might not be beneficial to everyone, but how important self-talk is, how crucial it is, especially when you're going through a transition in your life. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, the mental side of this, the difference between coaching and performing or how self-talk affects you, this is the episode for you and of course as always jared tells us a one-up story in his patreon story patreon.com slash randy king live lowest level five to seven bucks depends where you live jared tells a story where he uses awareness to prevent things and he kind of goes over his general philosophy on how he moves through space in the world and big shock it doesn't involve him using boxing footwork to go to the bathroom and throwing punches anybody looks at him wrong and don't forget if you're looking for a speaker to talk on proactive self-protection skills or someone to come into your workplace and help train your staff on the realities of workplace violence don't forget to get a hold of us at 8020cms.com. Now let's get on to the show. All right, everyone. This week, we have my friend, Jared Belrose on the show. Jared is a boxing coach who I met via the internet, like almost everybody. We exist in the same city. Jared went from pretty much teaching out of a garage to a company called Punch Therapy. He's gone on quite the journey. And the reason why I brought Jared on the show is I want to talk about that journey. I want to talk about all of the auxiliary benefits of training that aren't just the ability to beat the piss out of somebody else. So Jared, how's it going today? Good, man. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic, as always. Why Very don't good. you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So I am a boxing coach in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm also indigenous, but, but yeah, I, I teach anyone from you have zero experience at a box to a pro fighter, right. And anywhere in between for a multitude of different reasons. That's awesome. And your brand is punch therapy. And it was funny because I put up a, a post on social media. Where I'm like, ah, martial arts isn't therapy. And you're like, uh, I kind of have to say it is because it's in, my it's brand in name. the name. Yeah. <laughs> As you're wearing the shirt all the time in your TikToks too. I wear your shirt all the time. Like I almost more it. than I wear this one, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I need a shirt in return. Yeah, I'll get buy a shirt off you and wear it everywhere. That'd be awesome. I'd appreciate it. So Jared, why don't you tell the listeners what your definition of self-defense is? Just off the top of my head, my definition of self-defense would have to be to be able to defend yourself 
not only physically, but mentally in a bunch of different situations at any given time. I think that's a, a very good definition. The point of the show is to talk to people from all aspects of self-defense and the fight world and people outside of it. And you're very much in the fight world. You have fighters that you train. You This is your full-time job. This is mm-hmm. your full life, right? Is coaching. What got you into coaching? Why don't you take us on the journey from the pre-picture Jared to Jared who exists today? Oh, the, the journey into coaching was, I, so I always wanted to be a professional athlete, right? And a professional fighter of some sorts, just from watching movies as a kid, it always was like attractive to me. I was like that, I want to do that, right? And then things happen, life happen, injuries, time, age, yada, yada, opportunities, missed. and then coaching was like the next level. It didn't really fall into my lap. I had to seek it out. And from not being able to be a professional athlete, professional fighter, I wanted to be a professional coach. Right. So I was like, if you can't be the guy in the ring, in the arena, I want to be the guy coaching the guy person right. to be in that arena. And I just kind of set it out to, you know, to do, do that. And it was the hard way to do it because no one knew me. No one wanted to train with me. Mm-hmm. I had to train people for free. And it was mostly women, right? right? So it was like, okay, let's see if I could take this person from zero to something. And then it just kind of built from there. And yeah, and it's still building right now. I'm still pretty young in it, even though I'm, I'm going to be 38 in September, but I'm a, I'm a young coach. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point you brought up is that a lot of people, they go into the coaching space, they go into the coaching space from doing the thing they did. And while it's super important to point out that the skills you need as a coach are vastly different than the skills you need as a fighter, yeah. a lot of people still want the person to have been a professional fighter or have done that. I run into this all the time because I obviously bounce for a while and I have whatever fights, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I get young coaches all the time, like, do I need to have done this in order to teach it? And I say, no, I don't think you do because like, yes, it might be better to have a doctor that survived cancer, treat your cancer, but- any doctor could treat cancer, even if they haven't had cancer, right? That's a good point, yeah. So it's that's the way I like to look at it when it comes to this kind of training is you don't need to have done it. You can just learn from it and then give people the experience they need. So I don't know if it's as necessary to do it, but that is the hard road because the easy way would be, you know, get some fights under you and then you become a fight a coach. You're already getting yeah. the publicity from doing, you know, the fights. People start to know you in the community and then they want to box with you, right? Yeah, and I, like I've only had three amateur fights Right. Which isn't a lot, but I was the guy from 60. I've been in the gyms. I've been training. I've been studying. I've been sparring, you know, the sparring wars in the gym and beating the crap out of your buddy and, and doing all that stuff for fun. It's one of the things I think that actually makes me a better coach because I'm always trying to figure out what I don't know, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't have that experience. I didn't have the mentor old man at the gym beside me right. being like, this is what you do all the time. So I had to learn on my own, which is fun because it keeps going, right? There's always something new to learn. And I, I can't just rest on like, well, this is what I did before what my coach did with me. So I'm always seeking out better ways to do things. And I think that's awesome. It's so important that you're always evolving because like you said, right, this is a problem. With a lot of coaches is they teach and they teach well, but they're only teaching what they were taught. And they might not necessarily understand why that was a drill or why that was the thing you did. Right. And this is where in a lot of combative arts inbreeding, I call it starts to happen, which is the art just learns how to fight the art. It stops learning how to fight everybody else, right? So, yes. oh, we have this super special punch. Now we have to learn how to beat the super special punch when 90% of the world doesn't 
throw that punch. So it becomes this weird thing. And so you having to go through this on your own means every drill you do, you know, the purpose of the drill, you know, the intent, the goal. And I would say that does give you a leg up against the competition because you understand the goal of the training. And if you've listened to the show, I might've mentioned almost every episode. If you don't know the goal of your training, you should be refiguring your training structure. Yeah. So like I said, Jared, we're going to focus less on the punch and more on the therapy part of your company. So what do you believe are some of the auxiliary benefits of learning a combat system that aren't just beating somebody up? Like the the first one right off the bat is just having a bit more confidence in in yourself, not only like physically, but mentally, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing, like, is it like, if you know how to fight, you're, you're probably less you're not going to fight as often in theory right it's probably not always the case right but yeah it definitely builds some some confidence and you have to master yourself mentally and physically like a lot of people get into boxing because of the physical aspects and you get shredded and you have the six-pack abs and you're in great shape and you look cool right boxing is very cool right now but i think what gets lost is like the mental side and what that really gives you and it's like i try to kind of take a more martial art approach to boxing and what it gives you kind of like the spiritual thing. So if you you don't want to get punched in the face, it still has some, some benefits, right? Because mentally it's hard. It, it's challenging to learn. It takes a lot of like muscle memory, but also like memory memory of figuring things out and why we do things and the benefit and stress relief. Right? I feel like there's not a lot of people in this world, men or women that get to hit things anymore, right? right? There's not like a safe, safe space to really like take out your aggression and to be a different version of yourself where you're not super nice and polite all the time. And you're like, is this okay? If I do this, you, where you can yell, you can hit things, you can, you know, get all that uh, aggression out from the week or your life or your job. Right. And one thing I noticed, which is weird is I train a lot of people who are, you know, a bit older, they're not super young. And a lot of them were ex athletes and it kind of gives them another outlet to be competitive with themselves to learn something again to try to master something and I find it just makes them a lot happier overall with that whole like chasing something process you know what I mean yeah yeah that's basically it I love all of the the ways you phrase that so number one I think one of the most misunderstood things is that martial arts have to be Asian descent I would consider boxing a martial art 100% so when you say you treat it more like a martial art I I feel that's how most coaches do treat it. When I was learning, so bear with me on this little bit of a tangent, when I was in Berlin learning Kung Fu, because that's what you do in Berlin, I guess, the, the the things that the coach for Tai Chi was saying were very similar to the things that uh, the coach I was working with at the time for boxing were saying, right? Get into a route, make sure you're here, know where your weight is, this is where the transfer comes from. And this is why I don't like it when people minimize European arts like boxing, wrestling, pancreation, those kind of things, just because they don't have a belt system, just because they don't have a philosophical ideology intertwined with them, doesn't make them any less of a martial art. If you break down the word martial art, martial being Mars, God of war and art, it's the art of war. Boxing is a warrior art. I would agree a hundred percent. So when you say you treat it more like martial arts, what do you mean by that? Just taking more of like a, like a slow methodical approach of like, this is why we do things like you touched on before, right? It's not like, like my whole training philosophy is to take what the best fighters are doing and reverse engineer it down the mountain so you have a clear path on 
So this drill is going to get us to this part on the mountain. Mm -hmm. Instead of just making up a random drill that I think is cool, and then I hope it'll kind of get me up there. And just also like the, you know, having the discipline to train every day, you know, and say, say if you're, you're a young fighter, it's like, you don't need your coach on your, your butt telling you to get in the gym and to do your road work and to watch film and to study and, and all that stuff. Right. So I, I try to take it a bit more serious. I think it's just fun to take it seriously too. Like I enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And just having the respect behind it and knowing like the history about it and why things are done. Cause in boxing, you only have these two things, mm -hmm. right? See, but it can be very complicated because of that. And there's really nothing new in boxing too. If you look back at all the footage, it's all the same, right? right? There's only like six to eight punches or something like that that you can throw, but you can mix it up any way you want and, and do all that fun stuff. So, yeah. I think that's indicative of all arts and if you've been coaching for any amount of time, you realize that advanced techniques are just ways to put stress loads on the basics, right? That's all it is, is I'm stressing yeah. out the basics to a level, a sequence, a pattern or whatever, but if I don't have the fundamentals, it's going to fall apart. And that is one of the criticisms of boxing is, you know, it's only what, six to eight punches, but people do it for 25 to 30 years, right? Mike Tyson didn't jump into Thai boxing because he was bored. There's tons of stuff to learn there. Yeah. I've said before in another podcast, this of this series, that I really think boxing is probably fundamentally one of the best arts to bolt self-defense training to because the mobility requirements are much less than a lot of other things because it is your hands. They'll stay mobile mm -hmm. much longer into your older age. You don't have to kick. Um, we live in Canada. There's ice on the ground. Being on one leg might not be the best move. Yeah. If you're trying to gain distance, if you're trying to not get punched in the face, if you're trying to manage in fighting, boxing is a really great way to when we're going forward with your training philosophy, and you've been doing this since we met like four years ago in that remedy, right? You've always yeah. been like, you started with the Mayweathers and you broke down the Mayweather pad work. And then you start looking, like you said, at the, at the boxing, the highest level, and then you break it down to see how people can get there. Why do you think more coaches aren't taking that philosophy? Because honestly, it's genius, but it's genius because of its simplicity. It just makes sense. Oh, that's a, that's a tough, that's a good question. And I'm like, that's a good question. While I'm like thinking of the thing and I'm like, you're a good, you're a good uh, podcast host there. Yeah. Pump um, my tires while you think that's the best move for sure. I, I feel like it's not done as much because it's like that weird thing. It's like when you remember the, like the UFC first came around, mm -hmm. right. And it's like, everybody thought their discipline was the thing and, and stuff like that. And you, it's like, they only do what their coach has taught them because if my coach was full of crap, then his coach was full of crap and the whole art was full of crap. And you don't want to believe that. Right. So it's like, and I feel like a lot of fighters who turn into coaches don't know how to coach. So you just, you try to think, okay, what did I do? What, what did we do in box? Okay. We turn that you turn the hands over. Okay. Right. You, you pivot on the feet. Right. And instead of thinking, what do I actually do? And then how do I teach that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I find there's a big disconnect of like the way boxing is taught. And then what actual fighters do, even high level amateurs, right? It's, it's, it's like a big disconnect and it's like a, I call it the fog. Okay. Where it's like you, you, it's, they're completely different. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, how do you expect this guy to end up where this guy is when you're not teaching him to become that guy? Right. Well, and I think yeah. there's a lot of, we can discuss in here for coaching philosophy because how Mike Tyson trained would work for a person with Mike Tyson's type body and attributes. It wouldn't yeah. necessarily work for somebody else. So this is where a lot of fighters, there's a, a bunch of reasons why a lot of fighters don't bridge to coaching. 
So number yeah. one is very high level fighters usually are very good kind of right from the get-go and they have a natural ability to, to get stuff. I'm not saying this is all fighters. Lots of people, fighters work for it, but lion share, there's some talent quote unquote there. Our brain is designed to remove useless information, right? It's designed to put things to habit and ritual. It's why you can drive to work and not remember driving there at all, but not killing mm-hmm, them, yeah. right? That's what our brain's designed to do. So if you were good and you just worked hard to get better, there is no memory of your journey because you don't need that. You just became yeah. good. Yeah. Most of the coaches I've seen that are very successful were coaches that couldn't make it professionally, but did the work for a high level because they remember every step of the struggle, right? Yeah. The other reason why coaching is different than uh, fighting, and I always use the example because I'm Canadian of Wayne Gretzky, right? Wayne Gretzky, arguably the greatest hockey player of all time, coached the Phoenix Coyotes, didn't win a, se- didn't win a season, right? What you need to do to be good is not the same attributes as what you have to teach somebody to be good. So they can't take the same journey you can. You can't expect them to have the same work ethic attributes, et cetera. And I think that's why your method is good is because you, I'm sure you can look at somebody at this point and be like, you know, this style might benefit you more than somebody else. So we'll take you through that. How do you assess that? Like when you look at somebody, how do you know what to show them? I think visually, I have a thing where I can just look at you, like you said, your height, your reach, your temperament, your your lack of this or that, and you're 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 basically your fighting style, which I think it always reflects your your personality in some ways, right? Right. And I think I've watched so much boxing over the years that I can I can sort of figure that out, right? Because you have like a thing in your head where I can like see this guy, he's tall, blah blah. He might not be. He might be the Mike Tyson of the lightweights but he's just not Mike Tyson of the heavyweights, you know, and then you, you go, you know, what works for him. Right. So I have a certain style for myself when I, when I fought and trained still and everything like that, but I don't train everyone like that. And I feel like that's one thing a lot of coaches also can't do. Right. Is I'm like, cause like to me, it's not up to me to decide what style they have. It's, it's up to their speed, power, aggression, the way they stand, what works if they're right-handed, left-handed, right. all that stuff. So it's kind of this thing that we have to discover together. Well, I think that's important. So I have a friend who went to China to learn Kung Fu, just went out there in like the seventies. And when he went out there, he went out there to learn a certain style. But what happened was he moved around and played with some people and they said, okay, you're learning this form in this form. And he was like, I don't want to learn that. I'm here to learn this. And now those two forms are his favorite forms because those old masters did exactly what you did. Look, this is what your attributes are. This is where you're strong. These styles are going to benefit you the most. And this is why I hate the rebranding of martial art to martial science. Science implies if I do something, I can repeat that with every single different concept. That is not what this is. This is art. This is my expression of what I can do with the techniques. The way I throw a cross be different than the way that you throw a cross be different than the way my kid throws a cross. Yeah. And that's what makes a good coach, in my opinion, is they can see that. They know, like, okay, like you might want to fight like Mike Tyson, but bro, you're six foot eight. Like it's just not like you getting low and peekabooing doesn't make a ton of sense. He's you should be like more of a Lomachenko, yeah. right? Like yeah. it just doesn't, it doesn't track. 
you have personally gone through a fitness and a weight loss journey and boxing was kind of your vehicle you used to do that. Why did boxing for you work so well? Because you've lost a considerable amount of weight and you've kept that weight off. Randy loses yeah. weight all the time, does not keep weight off. You've yeah. lost it and you've kept it off. Why do you believe boxing was such a successful vehicle for you? I think because like the whole if you think of the culture of boxing, right? Like you take it back to like the first Rocky training montage you've seen, right? Like he goes from something to something else. Like he usually out of shape, even though he wasn't really out of shape at the beginning of Rocky, Rocky but you know, he kind of goes from out of shape to in shape and ripped and he's all sweaty. And to me, it's like that. Every time I think of boxing and training, I'm like, I'm doing that, right? It's, it's again, it's attractive. It's easy. It's uh so it's always like been there for me and I've, I've used boxing to, you know, get in shape in different situations and to pull myself out of like a, a dark place, whether it's a breakup or you just like let yourself go for too long. Right. So it's always been boxing because of that. I think that montage where you watch like the training videos, like the all access videos of how they start camp in this shape and they got to go from this. Right. Right. So I think it's just been easy to kind of and I think that as a kid like I've brainwashed myself watching boxing movies boxing right. montages karate kid right training going from this to that and right another thing is like boxers are always in good shape for the most part right there's yeah. a few that aren't in the heavyweights and yada yada but they're they're always in pretty good shape so and I've just loved boxing so much that I would train a lot right so if you train a lot you burn calories right usually eating a bunch of crappy food doesn't go with working out a lot and trying to be healthy and you see fighters in training camp on the all access shows that are like, I'm not eating anything bad for this amount of time. I'm staying away from this and that. And they're just locked in. And I love that. I was like, I want that. Even I don't need that right now, but I, I love like kind of locking in and having, having this goal. Plus I think it, it just looks better in boxing, even as a coach, if I'm in shape, right? Like a lot of times I want to be in better shape than some of my fighters so I can lead them. You know what I mean? I can compete with them on the mitts. I can, it can, you know, be as fast to them and just, yeah. On that note, because the amount of fighters that have ADHD and ADD is insane, right? Because the task load you need to deal with fighting suits ADHD really, really well. Do sense. you find that when you're in the routine that you can do more external stuff. And when you're not in the routine, you do less. So the way I say it is, and I'm noticing it right now, cause I've been on, I've been in a training camp or whatever. I've been training hard for the wedding coming up for the last six, six to seven weeks. And I have not missed the workout. I've been killing it. And when I wasn't working out, I didn't want to do anything. I was super lazy. And now that I'm expending way more energy, I seem to have more energy to expend. Have you seen this phenomenon? hundred percent. It's like w once you gain that momentum and you're, you're kind of like in motion with everything, mm -hmm. you want to keep doing it and you add more things, right? But when you're like, when I'm being lazy and like, I have a version of myself that if I'm like just laying on the couch and eating bad for too long, it's like my memory is the old me. It's the old Jared who was a hundred pounds. So I'm like lazy. I'm sluggish. I'm like, my mentality is a bit different. I don't want to do this i don't want to do that i just want to stay nice and comfortable in my little pocket on the couch and just continue to eat bad so it's like still in there right and it can come out i find if you if you don't you know you don't manage it you don't get your shit together enough where you're like hey monday turns into two weeks and a week turns into two months and you're like wow i'm 40 pounds heavier what's going on here right yeah but it's like yeah as you were saying like once you're on point it's like everything it affects everything really 
Yeah, and I think it's super interesting because you would you would assume, oh, I'm working out more, so I'm gonna have less energy. But no, I'm a much better version of myself when I am training than when I'm not. Yeah. You can look at Tyson. Tyson was a heavy fella. He was in a depressive state, smoking pot all the time. And now he's in shape again and he's doing interviews and he's out there. And like, I love that you say there's almost uh, an alternate persona or another alternate alter ego of you. Like there's lazy Jared and there's productive Jared. And that's such a great way to put it. Cause I feel the same way, right? Like when I'm in a down spiral, I'm in that down spiral. I'm now this person. And then when I'm out of it, I'm out of it. And once you're out, it's so easy to stay out, but also like somehow it sneaks back in. And it's so wild to me how that happens. And so that's my concern is I've been hitting it hard, but I also haven't been traveling at all. I'm traveling again, starting this week. And that's what gets me right. Is I get out of the routine. I break it. So for people like me, is there any, is, do you have any like protocols or thought processes that help people stay on track after like a vacation or a break in that habitual pattern? Yeah, it's, you got to figure out like why you want your thing first, right? It's like, why, why do you want it? Why do you really want it? And then you, you have to set some, some goals on it. And even just like visu- visually, like, how do I want to look, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you have an old picture of yourself where you, you were shredded and you were leaner, yada, yada. So it's like, have that in mind, have that maybe on your, your, your phone, on your, your home screen mm-hmm. to where it's like almost mocking you every time you you open it up and I'm very competitive. So I find what works with me is I try to get competitive with myself where I'm like, I kind of trick myself into thinking I'm a complete piece of crap when I fall off track and stay off track for too long. Cause I find it pulls me up. Right. It's like, come on, you got to get going. It's like a coach in my corner yelling at me that, you know, you're not doing what you need to do, man. Right. Get it going. Cause no, cause like life is pretty good sometimes. Right. Especially when everything's rolling. So you're like, why wouldn't I, why can't I eat bad for two weeks straight? You know, yeah. but it, it doesn't feel the best either. Correct. So I would, and, and I, if you're on the road, that's tough. That's tough because I find when I'm on the road and doing the road trip stuff and traveling, it's like the high of life. Like, I'm like, wow, everything's good. I'm like, let's eat good. Like, let's eat good tasting food and kind of keep that going. Let's have a couple drinks and right. stay up too late. And just yeah. like, let's try this local dish. Oh, it's yeah. 17 deep fried Oreos. Well, I've never had that before. I guess we'll eat that or whatever. I'm only right? in Thailand once. Yeah. You're like, might as well eat my face off and enjoy myself. Right. But I always find it like, I always feel bad after mm-hmm. like, not just like, phys- like mentally where you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But like physically, I'm like, my vibration is a little lower. I'm like, just a little interesting. uh, And then I find it's like, like alcohol, when you go out drinking, and the next day to like feel better, you start drinking again, right on vacation, food's the same way, because you're like, I feel so crappy. So you use food again, to kind of make yourself feel better for that a little bit. It's like a dirty high, I call it, you get the little dirty high of feeling good, because food tastes good. And then once it runs out, it's like, you're back to where you started. And you're like, Oh, man. That's interesting. I want to talk a little bit about self-talk. You mentioned self-talk. I, how do I, I'm trying to phrase this properly. Self-talk to me is super important. It's that coach in your corner. Like you mentioned, my coach in my corner is mean. He's a mean dude. He's like, get up fatty. What are your thoughts on like, cause negative self-talk is against the grain. Everybody's like, Oh no, don't be, be nice to yourself. But I think not all like different strokes, different folks. Yeah. If you are a competitive person, <clears throat> I think, I think personally, negative self-talk is beneficial. Like 
if people heard what I called myself in my head five seconds before I actually walked into the gym, they would think I was emotionally abusing myself. But for yeah. me, that's the fire that gets me going is, is that I know people are out there mocking or hating. What are your thoughts on self-talk? Do you think negative self-talk works for everybody? Um, it, it definitely doesn't work for everybody. I feel like, it, it, you know, it really depends on who you are, your age, man, woman. I find men, at least for myself, like if you played sports growing up, right now I'm from, I'm born 84. So we had some men, men coaching you. Right. And, and in like a junior high situation and like basketball, if you didn't do your job, you were getting crapped on mm. in front of everyone. Right. Like, but as a man, I, I kind of like that. I need that a little bit. You know what I mean? Because to me, it's not personal. It's not like emotional where it's like, hey, you're messing up right now. Get it together. What the hell are you doing? You're ruining everything. You've got potential in your life. This is not what you're meant to do. It's like, I, I kind of like it. I'm not like, oh, I'm not doing whatever. I'm like, I don't get emotional about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's just all like, I play little tricks on myself. Like, you know, I'll you know, get in the mirror and like, sorry to yell at myself or like, look at myself and be like, dude, what are you doing? This mm -hmm. isn't who you want to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And all that stuff. But some people, they have to approach it more of like a loving thing. It's like, I lo love to work out. I want to take care of myself and nurture myself, which is, is great. But you have to know your buttons to push. Because if I was like too loving with myself and too mm -hmm. like caring and be like, dude, just do what feels good. I'd be Jared on the couch right now. I'd be having right. a bag of Doritos right now in a slush instead of some, some water with some salt in it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Do you think I, it's a product of the environment we grew up in? Because I grew up in 81 <clears> and I also had the exact same coaching style, right? Do you think that kids who are growing up now that have a more, let's say, nurturing coaching style, do you think that their self-talk would be different? I, I find it's not different because I coach a couple of young guys in the mm -hmm. amateurs right now. And the harder I, I am on them, like where I can just, I like can yell at them. Yep. The, it's like the better our environment is, right? Interesting. And I, I try to like, I praise when I, you know, when they do something right. well and I crap on them when they don't, right? So, you know what I mean? And they, they appreciate it. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, being hard on somebody when it's time to be hard on somebody. And yeah. if that turns toxic and abusive, obviously that's a problem. But in a lot of cases, it's, you know, get it together for the team or get it together for this. Like it's, it's a hard, it's, it's tough love. It's not yep. coming from a bad place. I think we've painted all tough love as abusive. And it's, in my opinion, not that at all. Yeah. Because back in the day, it kind of meant people cared about you. Right. Yeah. They want because the best were, for you. Yeah. And I find even in my relationship, my fiance, we're getting married in right. August as well. Jeez. Um. Yeah, we just decided, like, we're Good. like, let's do it this summer. Yeah. But, like, we ground each other all the time. Right. We're like, she keeps, she puts me in place when I need to be put in place and vice versa, where, where she'll be like, you, when did, when was the last time you made a YouTube video? When mm. did you put out what you're dropping the ball on this? And, like, right. I don't like to hear it because she's right and I know it. Yeah. But it, it lights a fire under me and it keeps me on track. Right. Same thing with her. She's going through a, tough thing emotionally as a woman and she's like wants to sob in it and, and all day week and i'm like yeah that's enough that's enough right like, there's a point and it's like that's it you, you know you get a couple minutes left and then we're out of this kind of thing so kind of personal but i was super depressed during covid because covid ruined like everything fire and then covid yeah it just was not a good time for me and i remember when i snapped out of it it literally felt like i snapped out of it i looked in the mirror and I was like, what did you do to yourself? Like, look, look at you. What did you do to yourself? And I was standing there shirtless yeah. and I'm like, 
what happened here? Like you were just in this haze, this fog, like you mentioned. Um, and now yeah. ideally I'm out of it for, hopefully I'm out of it, out of it. But that is so important. I think that like, there can be a medium on the self-talk too, right? Like today, for example, I wanted to get a workout in. It's just not going to work out today. But I worked yeah. out yesterday and I'm going to work out tomorrow. So you can be nice yourself sometimes, but don't let 100%. that niceness take over. And then you're like, again, you're eating the Doritos and the slushy, which sound amazing right now, to be honest. It does. It does, man. Yeah. It's raining <laughs> outside in Edmonton. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to be like extreme, like uh, what's his name? Goggins. Right. You got a broken leg and you got to run, you know, you got to be realistic too with your schedule and be like, yeah, you got to give yourself some grace where you're like, mm -hmm. Hey, if I don't fit, hit my workout today, that's, that's okay. Like, yeah. because I'm did it yesterday. You got to look at the big picture of things too. Right. And it's, right. it's hard to pick and choose because you're coaching yourself every day on in every situation. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to phrase. It. That's a great place to leave this off. Actually. So we're going to end the show here. Thanks everyone for listening. As always do all the internet things, hit every button, even dislike. I don't care. Hit every button, comment, share this with your friends. If you got some value out of it, don't forget we're jumping over to Patreon for the one-up story. Jerry's going to tell us a story or continue this talk. It's at patreon.com slash Randy King live, the lowest tier $5, five us dollars, seven Canadian dollars subscribe. There's all my contents on there from every podcast I've ever done. So if you want to check that out, check that out. Heading out to Ohio with the Kennedys at team torque. I'll be there teaching as well. So I'm back on the road, pretty heavy. If you need, obviously, if you want me to come and talk to your business or your group about the realities of violence, the educational side and proactive skills, get a hold of me again. Everything's in the show notes and link tree. Jared, where can they get a hold of you? TikTok is probably the the main platform that's popping off for me. I'm having the most fun on there, which You're is making killing me it on TikTok. Ignore everything else in a bad way, but punch therapy boxing on TikTok and punch therapy on Instagram, punch therapy on YouTube. YouTube slacking, but TikTok is TikTok is, is popping off. So TikTok is a super fun channel. Me and my daughter are having a blast on it. I always forget mm -hmm. to promote this channel. So thank you for reminding me at Defense Talks with Dad. We're having a blast on TikTok. It's honestly, it seems to be the social media platform that has the most running room to gain people. You have like 150,000 subscribers, right? 100, 126, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. That's great. That's so yeah. many. We're trying to get to 3K. So please follow yeah. us. We are jumping over to Patreon right now. If you want extra content with Jared or extra content with any of the guests, it's there. Thank you so much. Like I said, like, share, subscribe, all the things. We'll talk to you all next week.